KPOO San Francisco, it's 11 o'clock. When we are ignorant, whether passively or intentionally, we have no chance to see the truth for what it is. If it is a passive kind of ignorance, we move about in a foggy bliss of unawareness. If we make ourselves ignorant, if we actively delude ourselves, then we are making a terrible mistake. We rob ourselves of the clarity of truths. We miss the beauty as well as the full depth and worth of the universe. Hello, everybody. Happy Thursday. This is KPOO San Francisco. So today we have a special show for you for Prison Focus. And I just want to start off by thanking you for taking time out out of your day to turn us on and listen to um, uh, these very relevant, important issues. We have a special guest today, Miss Kim Carter for Time to Change Foundation. And um, yeah, we want to talk to her about she's um, one of the key players in starting a, uh, an event this Friday called Ain't I a Mother Too? So I just hope that you guys are having a wonderful, beautiful day. And before we go into our first song, I just want to tell you guys that I drove, um, I rode the BART the first, for the first time today by myself. And uh, that was fun. Um it was I was a little nervous, but um, I got here and it's all these little moments that I'm just intaking right now. You know, um, just coming home. This is my seventh month month home. So things are um, some things are feeling like an adventure. <laughs> and and um, yeah, but I'm here. So we're just going to bring Sam Cook to you. One of my favorite songs. I hope you enjoy it. Like the river I've been running 
That was Sam Cooke, A Change Is Gonna Come. That's uh, just, you know, I don't think I'll ever get tired of that song. This is one of the songs that I listened to throughout my sentence that um, helped me to keep grasp on to hope and to push forward. So all my brothers and sisters, if you can hear us um, behind the walls, I hope that it does the same for you. So let's go ahead and bring New Bay on. Nube, are you there? Nube? Sorry, guys. We're just having a little technical difficulties right now. Okay, so we're going to take a short music break while we figure this out right now. I just... um.
Hey, Nube, can you yeah. hear us? Wait, Kim? Yes. Hey, oh, Nube yes. and okay. Kim. Perfect, perfect. Okay, Thank you, it. guys. Right on. <laughs> okay, so Thanks we're live on the air right now. Um, we okay, just appreciate you guys for working through our technical difficulties. Yes, we do. Thank you all on <laughs> all sides. Okay, so let's get right to it. So uh, yes. we would like to introduce uh, Miss Kim Carter with the Time for Change Foundation. Ms. Kim Carter, can you please tell the um, listeners about your foundation? So, hi. Like you say, my name is Kim Carter. Our agency name is Time for Change Foundation. There's no A in it. But we started 17 years ago. I'm the founder, and we started working with women who are coming home from incarceration, needing a place in order to change at. And we started with that one housing program. Where shortly thereafter, we started expanding because, you know, women wanted to reunify with their children. So we went from one shelter to two shelters, 13 service supportive housing units. And then um, in 2012, because of the extreme three- and four-year waiting list of Section 8 housing, I decided to start building my own affordable housing, and I became a certified affordable housing developer. And so at this point, we provide the full continuum of housing. So after 17 years, you know, with the... I didn't want to get, you know, founder syndrome where you just hold on to your agency because you started. So I was able to, you know, uh, succeed, and I succeeded to a very dynamic young woman. Her name is Vanessa Perez, and so she is a 30 under 30 amazing leader in the Inland Empire, and she's running the whole Southern California operation. So I came to the Bay Area to expand on our housing model to meet the needs of women who are working on reunifying with their children. Mm-hmm. So I came here December the 7th, 2017, and one of my goals was to, first of all, I need to raise funds. Second of all, I needed to get the information and the data about the extreme need. And that's what you guys to know, that I was so devastated. Like, I was just truly heartbroken at the rate that these women in this community were losing their parental rights. Right. Like, it is something that it is it just needs to be exposed. It needs to be raised up. The fact that as a society that this is going on, it's like a dirty little secret that's happening right here in Alameda County, and no one's talking about it. Right. But we got, you know, majority black and brown women who are losing their children because they cannot, cannot get safe and decent housing for their children. And the thing about it is that they cannot get it because it does not exist. Mm-hmm. I've looked at tons of data here for this area, and, like, there's only 34 uh, low-income housing units created for every 100 families that need it. But can you imagine that shortfall, that housing crisis, mm-hmm. and how it impacts these women who the judge is like, hey, I want to give you your kids back. You've done your parenting. You've done your anger management. You've done your DV classes, but I can't give you your kids back. You can't give me an address. You know, and so there, yeah. the judges are, you know, the judges are bound by the Adoption Safe Family Act, which comes with timelines. And so you have these women who are just traumatized and stressed out because they can't get an address because what they're looking for does not exist. And so, you know, it's time for us to, you know, build our own housing and make sure that we have housing for these women. So we're calling for, you know, we're going to call for national attention. I know you guys don't know, but... I, I was a top 10 student hero. We want to put this issue, highlight we want to be know all across the world. So while people are, you know, looking at the borders, what's happening there, we want you to know it's happening right here in our own neighborhood. Right. So, Ms. Kim Carter, one of the things, like, um, I would just like to take the time to do is kind of paint the 
for some people who don't know, who've never been um, incarcerated or um, don't bring women into the conversation when we talk about prison and so forth, um, being formerly incarcerated myself, um, I'm not a mother, but I would say that if I had to guess a number, at least 95% of the women that I did time with were mothers. And just the, um, I would see their daily struggle of trying to um, parent from inside, you know, or their parental rights being taken away from them and, um, or um, their children um, growing further and further apart from them because they don't know them anymore after years, they, you know, start um, drifting away from them and the mothers like trying their best like I would see these mothers with very little resources on the inside and trying to keep that bond with their um, mother and I don't think that uh, a lot of the public knows that like I don't think they know the um, aware of some of the struggles or even think about some of the struggles that a woman goes through uh, a mother goes through when she's incarcerated um, do you have anything to add on that well, what, what, what I would say is, is twofold. Let mm-hmm. me talk about the children. Do you know when children are separated from their parents, they they increase toxic stressors? These stressors, mm-hmm. it's called flight or fight, these stressors have long-term damaging effects on the children. Mm-hmm. The children, you know, they have uh, emotional disorders, they have learning disabilities, you know, they have poor social connections. And this is one of the things that even these psychologists are saying right now about the impact of children who are being taken away from their mother's arms at the border. This is long-term impact. And so when you're inside as a woman, first of all, 85% of women inside was the primary caregiver of their child prior to incarceration. But when you're trying to keep that link, you're dealing with an external system that is not heavily resourced. So phone calls are, you know, 10 times the cost of what it is for a regular phone call in the free world. Right. It's, when you're in prison trying to call and connect with your child, the cost is exuberant. Many families have to put blocks on their phones because the phone bill is outrageous because it's legal to overcharge people on the inside for a phone call. You know, family business. Women are often taken out of their immediate community and they're taking, you know, four and five hours away, which requires somebody to do transportation, try to bring the kids. All of these are cost factors that's already impacting people who have low socioeconomic means. So, you know, that's another separation issue that causes women to not be able to keep that bond. And, you know, lastly, you know, it's just not has, hasn't been a focus, right? You know, it's, it's, it's our kids. At the end of the day, you know, we can look at these communities and we can tell by the underinvestment of schools, you know, the, the lack of green space, you know, you know, poor libraries that, you know, our kids have never been a priority in this uh, capitalistic society that deals with classism and patriarchy. And so, you know, we know that if we don't take care of our families, take care of our kids, that, you know, we can't leave for the next person to come to town and to even think about it. I think the greater issue for society to actually recognize mm-hmm. is that, you know, when we go back in history, that's, that's why I love history. When we go back in history and we look at some of these major atrocities that have happened, but I like to call black eyes for America. Will you be okay with knowing that you were alive sitting on the sideline while this atrocity would happen? Do we have to wait 50 years for somebody to come up with the research or the publication that shows, you know, there was millions of kids who were fostered out? Because it goes right back to what happens in the beginning of this country when African Americans' motherhood was not being respected. And our children were sold on the chopping block like products. And one more time in society, it's again 
in our motherhood that is not being valued, and our children are being adopted out, adopted out for life because of some socioeconomic classism issues, right? Classism. Right. You got people right now living in what I like to call teepees because they're living in tents. They're living under bridges. They're living in abandoned lots. And when this country was first founded, it was indigenous people living right here. And they were living in teepees. But see, America has came and, you know, and discovered it and took all this land that God created and sliced it all up and numbered it up. Parcel numbers, you know, zip codes, got all these census tracts. And one more time, the people who was here do not have a space in order to live at. So these women who are losing their children, they are of this community, they're from this community, they were born in this community, and somehow, you know, they have been erased from having a place right here in this community in order to raise their kids. And it's just not, it's just not right. It's just right. not right. It's wrong. And I think that, Miss um, Kim Carter, that a lot of times when I'm, you know, I believe in having these tough conversations, you know, to challenge people's thinking and to make people aware and to bring different, you know, views. And sometimes people feel like what I'm hearing is that like um, almost like it's a continuation of a punishment. They feel like, um, you know, you know, well, you did the crime, you did this that, and the other. So you're um, almost like they're unworthy. They're undeserving to come out and to like they're the sum total of their mistake and that they're. Um, that they're no almost like they're no longer deserving to be a mother. Like, what do you say to those people? Well, you know, I would say, first of all, the women that we talk about, not all of them have been incarcerated. Mm -hmm. This issue is extended beyond women who were incarcerated. We have women who have never been incarcerated that because they can't afford a place to live, they're losing their, ch their children. As soon as you can't provide your kid a safe place to nurture, to take care of your kid in shelter, you are in what they call child neglect. Right. So, you know, living in your kids with your car, not being able to eat regular hot meals, not being able to bathe that kid, struggling to get their kid back to school, you start becoming neglectful of your children. And therein you break the law. Right. But see, who was it? Who was sitting around watching the law when they took these rents and skyrocketing them? And, you know, and everybody wants to stay in the Bay Area. Oh, you know, it's the tech sector. It's the tech sector. You know, I don't I don't believe that because housing for this population has never been a priority. It hasn't been a part of a community design. It ain't been a part of nobody's community plan. It has not been prioritized. So that is the real issue here. So we can't sit here and blame the tech sector and those who came here to innovate, to talk about them is the reason why people can't afford housing. Because the housing that is needed is does not exist. It has not been prioritized. And that, my friend, is a reflection of the government that's supposed to be represented by the people, which we are the people. The second part I would like to say is I get all riled up about this because, see, our <laughs> motherhood our motherhood is just as valued as anybody else's motherhood. But, but, but at the end of the day, I, I need to make sure that I represent motherhood in the, in the highest respect. I, I can't sit here and let the classism, you know, the sexism and all the in, all the gender injustice to minimize the motherhood. But that means that you're saying that my kids don't mean nothing. And so if our kids don't mean nothing, that's the your kids don't mean nothing. And your kids mean something to you, and our kids mean something to us. So you cannot just, you know, erase, you know, our whole family tree by eliminating the access to the very thing that we need which is housing. You can't raise a family without having housing. Right. You can't maintain a job. You can't secure a bank account. You can't do things without having an address. And, and you can't tell me that there's not enough space here because everything you turn around, they're building something. Another high rise, another, you know, fair market rent of uh, housing units 
for people who can pay three thousand and four thousand dollars a month. But you know, by law, by law, by HUD law, you know, everyone's deserving of a safe and nurturing place to live, number one. And the housing and urban development have community development plans and put mandates out. And then it to be X amount of housing for the people who are here. And let me just well, tell you about this. Ms. Kim part. Carter, so what's um yeah. what's the event of <clears throat> Ain't I a Mother Two that I'm so looking forward to that's happening tomorrow? Can you tell the listeners about that? Okay, so the event is called Ain't Our Mother Two and what it's gonna do is it's gonna again raise the awareness of women who have who are who are losing their children as we speak, women who are on the cusp and women who have lost their children, women who have been homeless for four and five years in this community, not being able to access housing. It's gonna also raise awareness of some solutions, right? So we don't come with a problem without a solution. Mm-hmm. So we have some recommendations and some solutions that we wanna up a coalition that we can work on addressing this need. And so I would say for people who are just curious about what's going on, please come out. It's, again, it's tomorrow, May 10th at 6 o'clock at the Oakland Asian Cultural Center located in downtown Oakland. It's free to the community to come. And at the end of the day, it may not be your children today, but it might be your children tomorrow. So you should come for prevention measures. You say come because you care about your kids. If you care about your kids, know that we care about ours. So, again, I'm Kim Carter from Time for Change Foundation. You can go to our website, www.timeforchangefoundation, and for us, it's spelled out F-O-R. Uh, follow us on Facebook, you know, and you can just keep up with what's going on. If you want to be involved and you want to be a part of the cause and see how you can help, you know, email me at Carter at timeforchangefoundation.org. And you can always feel free to call. And the number is 951-217-0971. Again, the number is 951-217-0971. Well, there you have it, guys. Oh, yes, Nubay. Oh, sorry. I just wanted to um, just ask one more or just mention one more thing. Thank you so much, Kim Carter, for coming in and talking about this. This um, is a serious human rights issue um, that that we are creating, as you said, as you mentioned, um, this is really on us as a community in our in our state and local um, government. This is a, an issue when we are not providing housing for our community members, and especially mothers that have already spent their time. Um, incarcerated, um, away from their children, parents away from their children, and not being able to then access them um, because they are not being um, given um, a fundamental right of having housing. This is a human rights crisis, and I also want to emphasize, yes, please, um, all of our listeners out there, even if you cannot attend, tell other people about this um, this very important event that is happening tomorrow. Kim, I wanted to ask you one last thing about what does the event look like? How long will it last? Is it a panel um, of speakers? What does it look like, and um, how long will it last? So the event is two hours long, and it's going to be, of course, we're going to be um, sharing some data. We have our some wonderful agencies that work with this, uh, on this event. So we have the policy link is going to be there, and it's going to be highlighted. So we have people from these faith and defenders who actually work with these women, and they watch these women lose their parental rights on a daily basis. We have Root and Rebound, you know, LSP City is, is actually one of the hosts of this event as well. So we're going to be sharing, first of all, the data. We're going to be sharing the women's stories. We're going to be sharing the solutions. And so that's how it's going to be. It's going to be a fact 
pathfinding, uh, solution-driven conference where we're going to be able to talk about the issue, we identify some solutions, and we're going to work with some of these change agents and these policymakers who's going to be on hand as well to learn what we can do. Because some of it is systemic, right? Some of it is cultural, some of it is class. We have to work this from three different angles. Absolutely. Fantastic. Okay, folks, one more time. What, tell us the date, the time, and the location. So it is May 10th at 6 o'clock at the Oakland Asia Culture Center located in downtown Oakland. It starts at 6 p.m. It is open and free to the public. For more information, go to www.timeforchangefoundation.org or feel free to call me at 951-217-0971. And again, I just want to say, all children matter. All children matter. matter. Our motherhood matters. Ain't I a mother, too? Motherhood matters. Thank you. Right on, Miss Kim Carter. And I just want, again, I just have to keep on saying it over and over again. This is an action alert, um, listeners, so please come out. I just think um, take a moment out of yourself for a moment, you know? Um, I just think about how much of a – I don't know what I would do without my mother. My mother is my best friend. And I've watched my friends who – who had to go through the system, who um, for different reasons were not able to be a part of their parents' lives and the effects that it has on them. And so, and, and just like we remember what Miss Kim Carter says is that the detrimental effects that it has on these children and when you take them and you don't allow them to be with their mothers and the mothers to be with their child, it, it, um, it, re- it starts, it's just, it's just this reoccurring cycle that, um, that is just detrimental to our community and to the people that's in it. So I just hope that I will be there, uh, Ms. Kim Carter. And I just thank you for um, just your tenacity, you know, at the beginning of the top of the show, how you have taken on with um, providing this housing and um, working, you know, figuring it out. You know, a lot, oftentimes, a lot of us don't sit the time. We we acknowledge an issue, but we don't take time to figure it out. So thank you for starting the process of figuring it out. Yeah, it don't take a rocket scientist to figure out if you're homeless. All you got to do is add a home. That solves that issue. But I'm going to work for people where they at and bring them up with speed. <laughs> That's right. Miss <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Kim uh, Carter, we appreciate you. Thank you for joining us on Prison Focus Radio. And we will see you tomorrow at Ain't I a Mother thanks Too. Thanks for having me. I appreciate yes, it. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Bye, ladies. Bye. Bye-bye.
Welcome back, everyone. This is KPOO San Francisco. Nube, are you there? I am. Thank you. Hi, Thank London. You. Hi. <laughs> wow, that was a, just a very, very powerful interview. Kim Carter really is um, uh, a real necessity in this community, she for sure. She is such a strong that voice, was- and just like the... Um, you know, I've met her a few times, and she is just always like that. She is very passionate and very serious about her work and so appreciated. Uh, yeah, rightfully so. And um, and still, you know, um, she needs help. She needs the community on board. So um, let's get together, people, and um, support the work uh, that, that she is doing. Um and like you said, that's, this is an action item that people can can take. Um, and good morning, everyone out there who's listening, um, our community members that are behind the walls. Uh, we salute you. Um, and, you know, it is Thursday, May 9th, 2019, and slavery is uh, still legal in this country um, because of the exception clause to the 13th Amendment, and um, when, we, when we think about the uh, interview that we just had with Kim, this is a vestige, I believe, of, um, of slavery in this country. The exception clause to the 13th Amendment says, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as punishment for a crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Um, it is just, we have a new iteration of slavery. It's taking place within our prisons, and um, you know the the devaluing of motherhood, the devaluing of black children, black mothers, um, has been ongoing. Um, and again, I believe that it is a vestige of, of chattel slavery um, and the horrific breeding colonies that were taking place in the state of Virginia. Um, with that said, um, we are here on the uh, Prison Focus Radio to uplift the voices of those who are not heard. Um, this is our commitment to amplifying those voices, keeping um, their wisdom and experience within the dialogue in the midst of all of the noise that's out there in the world. We want to make sure that your voices stay relevant. And with that, London, I would like to read um, a letter from one of our contributors to Prison Focus newspaper. This comes from issue number 56 um, on page 14, and I encourage everyone at some point, please visit our website at prisons.org and look through our newsletter um, um, and um, our website, see what action items are taking place there. It's a wonderful way to continue to educate yourself and really find out what's happening behind the prison walls. So here we go. This is, I am broken but strong. I am human. Starts with a quote, quote by Brian Stevenson. Each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. My name is Michael. I am like you, but different in many ways. I am currently inside the belly of the beast, a.k.a. prison, at the Wabash Valley Correctional Facility in Carlisle, Indiana. I got locked up in 2014 as a teenager 
and shortly after sentenced to 1,000 years mm-hmm. in the Department of Corrections in a case where, thank God, no one was killed. But under the new 75% law, I received the equivalent to a life sentence, being that my earliest possible release date is in a year that I more than likely will not live to see. Now, I would love to continue to write about the injustices I received and the particulars of my case, but that is not why I am writing. I aim to shed light on the demonizing DOC system that has been a burden on America for too long. From neglectful medical care and mental health to living conditions, guard brutality, malnutrition, and the overall ominous goal to divide and conquer, to keep families divided and marginalize millions of people while voraciously making millions, actually billions, every year from the same people they oppress. Families also have to pay the price for collect calls, sending food, visitation, etc. And the DOC is getting a cut from it all. In addition, almost all prisons in America are located in rural desolated areas, meaning family and friends have to spend hours of time driving to see prisoners and usually spend more time driving than visiting, then have to pay for video visits. The DOC is making millions off of the same people struggling to pay for a collect call so a father can talk to his daughter once a week or a mother to her children, not to mention the billions of dollars DOC receives from taxpayers. And is the money being put to good use? Honestly, I can tell you for sure it's not the food or in any way beneficial to prisoners. In fact, the money is being used to construct new prisons and maintain the largest prison system in the world. I know in the hearts and minds of every man, woman, and child incarcerated in America is a war. A psychological war in which this ominous caste system deliberately attempts to demoralize and dehumanize prisoners and their families. Such is IDOC's new policy stating that cards of any type, birthday, holiday, etc., are prohibited. It also prohibits any plain non-white envelopes and type of paper other than lined paper, which, by the way, got backlash from churches and organizations that write to prisoners. It is especially cruel to the ones that have zero support from the outside world. Anything else than what's described above will be confiscated, meaning one of two things will happen. You pay to send me the mail back or have it destroyed. Sometimes it is confiscated without notification or knowing if it's important or not. DOC put this directive into order using the same old platitude they always use, quote, to stop drug trafficking. I will not make a blatant statement that drugs do not come through the mail from time to time, but all of the prisoner and prison staff population knows that the majority of drugs trafficked into prisons all across the nation are brought in by the COs. Those are the correctional officers. Medical staff and staff from other prison organizations contracted out, sorry, private organizations contracted out by the DOC. With today's technology, it should be facile, but it's no accident. I mean, it should be easy. So why stop the cards, letters, and envelopes, psychological warfare, birthdays, holidays, anniversaries, or just a simple I love you card goes a long way for those in a traumatizing situation such as prison. Mail is one of the few things we look forward to. Discouraging family and friends from staying in contact with their incarcerated loved ones demoralizes and dehumanizes the prison population. The DOC does everything in its power to try to disconnect us from ourselves and from mainstream America, to have the mindset that our lives have no significance and we have nothing positive to give. But the truth is, we do. 
Just as Viktor Frankl realized as he lay naked and alone in a Nazi death camp after his entire family was tortured and killed that, quote, the last of the human freedoms, the freedoms his Nazi captors could not take away from him, was his freedom to choose. Quote, between stimulus and response, man has the freedom to choose. This humbled me. Frankl understood that to be reactive to his situation would only bring more misery and give his captors satisfaction. By having a proactive mentality, he could psychologically defeat his captors while also finding enlightenment within himself. In my heart, that is beautiful. We cannot control how people talk to us or treat us, but they can never take away how we choose to respond to negativity. And as I said, the premise of the DOC is psychological warfare a war that many of us, if any, mentally understand or equipped to deal with or fight against. My fight is to bring light into the darkness, to uncover the disparities and malignants of the DOC system. DOC and the justice system have institutionalized policies that reduce people only to their worst acts and permanently label them criminal, murderer, thief, rapist, drug dealer, felon. Identities we cannot change regardless of the circumstances of our crimes or any improvement we might make in our lives or for the betterment of humanity. I have a conviction that DOC is nothing more than an intricate money scheme that is built and maintained off the backs of an already oppressed people. Like the reason private prison builders and prison service companies have spent millions of dollars to persuade state and local governments to create new crimes, impose harsher sentences, and keep more people locked up so they can earn more profits. Privatization of prison health care, prison commerce, and other services have made mass incarceration a money-making windfall for the aristocrat and a costly nightmare for the rest of us. A great man, Brian Stevenson, once said, the opposite of poverty is justice, and that the true measure of our character is not how we treat the rich, the powerful, the privileged and respected, but how we treat the poor, the disfavored, the accused, the incarcerated, and the condemned. With that being said, I believe as a nation, we have come a long way. A long way we do have to go. To unite and come together on the transparent yet divisive issues we face, to not only better ourselves, but to better humanity in general. I am just like you, but different in many ways. I am son and brother and father, a grandchild, an uncle, a friend and family. I am broken, but strong. I am human. Whoa. <clears throat> Nube, who is that from again? Um, his, name is, his name is Michael. And um, he is um, incarcerated in Carlisle, Indiana. And, uh, you know, after um, I had learned about Kim Carter and the work that she's doing with Ain't I a Mother, too, um, it wasn't difficult for me to find a letter that um, would align with, I think, the, the... the basic premise of what this is about, and and that is 
humanity and how we are responding to certain groups of people in this country and all over the world. And it is incumbent upon us that this is to, to recognize the humanity of everyone. This is happening under our noses. And so shout out to all the people that are on the front lines in any way possible to recognize that we are talking about human beings. Yeah. Um, and all of these millions and billions of dollars that we are wasting on dehumanizing and demoralizing our friends and families and community members can all be redirected to just simply how about find housing for mothers who have done their time, um, have, uh, are, are coming out traumatized, um, their children tra- traumatized by their incarceration, um, and being able to be able to come together and, and heal be together and heal. We have billions of dollars to do this, and we are wasting it by continuing to punish and abuse people through the prison industrial complex. And you know um, what, um, through- Nube, like Kim Carter said at the beginning of her, uh, the top of her interview, that Ain't I a Mother too? is not just for the formerly incarcerated. It's for mothers, too, that just can't afford housing and whose right. kids are being taken away from them. And, you know, um, you know, I just what gets on my nerves so bad, um, just being in these different spaces and how I grew up and where I grew up. Um, you know, people are so quick to tell you what you should do, how you should act, and, you know, like they just have the answers for your life without knowing your true struggle, you know? And I always say that people don't just wake up doing crime. People don't just wake up being angry. You know, things transpired. And um, when you're, you know, when you take that daughter or that son away from their um, loved one, from their parent, and... um, cipher them into places where they don't feel loved or belonging to um what do you think that creates you know what do you think that creates and what is that you know and people are just not acknowledging that and when you just read in this letter it just breaks my heart so bad because during my time I met people who who had just given up so they had given up hope because when they were sentenced, they were told that when they leave this earth, that their death certificate will say escape by death. And it's just such a shame that the next human being can just totally um, discount someone else's life. Like it's just nothing like, like their life is unworthy. Like their life is just a piece of trash. Like they're just so undeserving and they just say it so easily and everything. And, and all these things that, um, that was written in this letter, I can relate to that. Like, you know, the, the mail down to the CEOs, how they treat you and, um, Where's the money being spent and the food and the lack of programming and the poor living conditions and um, not receiving medical help or um, people's, you know, 
um, the mental health issues that are so high in there. And um, it's just like when you're in there, you're, you feel so lost and like no one cares. Like, is no one going to speak up for me? Does no one know that this is going to, that this is going on? Or are we just saying that this is okay? This is okay. That you're going to keep on allowing people to open private prisons. That you're going to keep on allowing people, human beings, to live in conditions like this. And no one's going to speak up. Or we're just going to speak up and we're just going to get all riled up about it. But then we're going to continue to go on about our day and no one's taking action. That we're going to keep on giving government passes to keep on doing to us. And like you said, that um, this is just a continuation that slavery is still relevant, that is still prevalent. It is still going on and that like we're just being blindsided and that this is just this is just a continuation. And we and we need to come together and 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 we need to stop it. I mean, because this is affecting all of us. I've never been um, I've never been incarcerated London, as you know, and I am transparent about that, and all of the listening audience knows that, but I'm, I'm traumatized. I'm traumatized because this affects people that, I come into, that I'm coming into contact with. It's traumatizing for me to know that you've been through this, to read this letter. I want all of us to, to be affected by this um, and care. Make a choice to care. And... Um, and make and and do something to make a change. It's we there's money out there to make changes. This is this is not an economic system that is sustainable. It is again, it's destroying all of us, and it and we need to change it. We need to we need to look at things differently. Do we want people to heal and be accountable, or we just do we are we just going to punish and and constantly um spend our 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 dollars and our and our resources our thought processes our creativity um to just throw people away right. we have to make a different choice we have to make okay <laughs> and you know Lube, i just love how you know um with your different platforms you know with prison focus um to making our voices relevant, to still connecting us and um, not, you know, we're placed behind these concrete walls and we're just like put off from society as like um, put away as if, you know, we like we don't count. And I just want to continuously think prison focus and all the other different orgs that are out there that are putting in the work and the people who have not or who are not formally incarcerated, who can see the inhumane um, system that they can acknowledge the unjust, the um, this very unjust system and um uh, for like liberated the cage voice, you know, to help to change the narrative. And I want the listeners to know, like, um, Nubay, we spoke on this that um, my old out date was 2022. Um, but that day in that courtroom, um, the prosecutor asked for me to get 20 years. Like, and I just remember that day, Nubay, like how she just let it just like easily slide off her tongue. Like, I'm right. recommending that she gets 20 years. And um, and so even right now, how they over sentenced me. Right. Because um, I was told that I was I signed a five year plea and I got three times pretty much, as, you know, as much as that. But um, 
how like why <laughs> why did right, she, you know right. like how what what was her frame of thinking like you know and I remember they said that uh to prevent me from doing other um crimes and um to dissuade me or uh, something of that nature but you know being incarcerated for over eight years I've never been um had one disciplinary write-up I'm out here in the community um and I you know I have a job and I'm, I'm paying taxes and I'm abiding the law and um but there's nothing special about me there's so many people that are still behind that those walls that um that have these astronomical sentences over their head that are just like just like me just like me and they are stuck there and no one's and and they're just discredited like um like hey your life doesn't matter that's what we're saying well that's the thing i mean why can't why can't the healing take place out here why can't the rehabilitation take place out here the, the focus needs to be on rehabilitation, and so, and that that's what we need to be striving for, and that's exactly what the prison system is completely against. That that is the rejection of that's the dehumanizing, right? And that is again, yes. Um, I also want to give a shout out to Kapu for providing this one hour of a platform again to bring your voices forward and to to expose. Um, what's really happening, and to give voice to, like you said, to, to give voice to those people who um, whose voices are silenced and who have so much to offer, and we need to get to know them, and we need to give a place to them. So shout out to Kapu because probably one of the few places where um, their voices are getting out. Um, and I also want you to, um, we should. Um, talk about some of the things that are coming up. we got a few minutes to Absolutely. say some things that are coming up. So, so of course, uh, we've got the, okay, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So we have Quest of Democracy, um, Quest for Democracy on May 20th at Sacramento at the state capitol. You can come up there. Anyone is welcome to come up there and help us to, um, help us to pass these laws and hold people accountable to, um, of these bills. We have a whole bill platform. You can go to www.prisonersforchildren.com to see our bill platform. So what we're doing, um, New Bay, is we're going up there and we are supporting bills that directly impact our community. And so this event is, um, you know, it's formerly incarcerated, those who've been impacted by the system and people who just care right people who just yeah. are willing to speak up and what i'm learning because well, you know this is a whole learning process for me as well is that um when we go there and we show up in numbers like these movements it takes numbers right and when we show up and we show like knowledge is power and when we say hey listen we might have had you might guys you've been getting away with this you know for so long and everything but now we're speaking up we're using our voice and our voice is within our vote okay and so when we're going up there and he's like trust me you know going up there in sacramento um being up there daily sometimes is very exhausting but you know what um new bay if not me then who 
if you don't if we don't go up there and we don't oppose these bills that they're trying to more suffocate our community, um, put us down under, um, put another enhancement on undeserved enhancement out there, just um, uh, creating more outlets for the unjust system. If we don't go up there and uh, stand in that line and oppose these bills and say, uh, uh-uh, uh, not on this one, we oppose this. And you know, um, Senator. Um, assembly woman assembly man you know we voted you into office and we're holding you accountable so this is again a learning process but if you come out there on may 20th um to sacramento for quest for democracy we are learning it's it's not i thought that it was a hard process but we're in there we're learning it together we want you to come up there and we want you to gain this knowledge as well and um help to lift our voices lift our voices and so that we can get these bills passed that are directly impacting our community. So one of them that we're um, really pushing up this year is ACA 6. So ACA 6, what that does, it will reinstate um, one that is on parole, their right to vote. So pretty much what we're saying is that, um, hey, you know, um, a person that's on parole, they'd have done their time. They're back into the community. They have to pay their taxes. They are expected to follow every single law that every person around them is doing. Um, um, they're back into the community. They have to work, you know, et cetera, but they cannot vote. Like what? I don't yeah, understand that. And Nube, that's what? wrong, right? Right. And but the thing that this this um, another part of how crazy this system is. So me, I done federal time. So I'm on supervised release. So I just got out October 2nd, but I am able to vote. So me being able to vote, what it does for me, it um, helps me feel a part of the community. It makes me feel like my voice matters. It makes me want to show up and show out and um, to just do better, you know? And so... um, I have friends who've done state time and they say, well, hey, London, I feel the same way. But why you and not me? And when I went up to Sacramento last Monday and I was talking Mm -hmm. to those legislators and I um, and I mentioned that to them. And you know what? A lot of them just couldn't give me an answer to that. So it's a time for us when we show up for things for like Quest for Democracy. It gives us an opportunity to start holding people accountable. Fantastic. And they need to be held accountable. And they need Absolutely. To. So anyone, if you have any questions about this, um, how to get involved, what events we have going on, you can reach me at London. That's L-O-N-D-O-N at prisonerswithchildren.org. And how can I get in contact with you, Nube? Fantastic. Well, I always want you to visit the website. Um, visit us at prisons dot org and um, also check out issue 56 where that letter came from and they can reach me at um, at nube at prisons dot org you can email me there you can also find me on twitter at brown nube also visit um, at ca prison focus um, that's our twitter handle for california prison focus I want to thank all of you, um, you for listening to us today yes. um, and look for us next week. Next week we'll thank be you, here. Logan. And really quick, shout out to Kim, who is so in the studio with me, who's making these trips and who's um, learning. You know, she's just a part of very, very present in the movement as well. We thank you, Kim. 
Okay, see you guys next week. Okay, KPOO San Francisco.